0: Well, good morning, New Life. My name is Red. I'm the launch pastor of New Life East. Y'all remember me, I, I hope. Thank you. So for if we've never met, my wife and I are the couple that got shipped out of this building over to New Life East, the new congregation in Long Island, sent on mission to be able to start a new congregation out there in a pandemic, y'all. And so whose ever planned that was, we're grateful that it worked out. We, it worked out. I see some New Life East folks here, fantastic, awesome. And so I bring you greetings from New Life East. In fact, Rich is there today, and so we did a little bit of a a switch in action. And some of you need to come visit. If you're in the neighborhood, come by. And I'll I'll tell you why you need to come by. One word. Parking. (laughs) Parking. And so just a couple of things by way of an update that you can pray for us about. So we have a good problem. We've actually outgrown our space. And so, pr- pray for us. It's hard looking for space. We're hoping to find a new, uh, a, a new space in the Hempstead area. Uh, it's very difficult. We've outgrown our space, especially for the kids' ministry and NextGen, and so please pray for us. Uh, the, the other is there's a very special time in the fall because the congregational pastor role is going to be transitioned over to a gentleman named Pastor Andre Gray. And if you've never met him, yep, you can give him a hand. If you've never met him, you can see this photo. Uh, This is uh, one of my favorite pics from New Life East. It was this Nerf gun battle, and so this is Andre right here. See that crouch? (laughs) Big dog is ready. He is ready, and so pray for that event as well. It's going to be a really special time in September. So very excited to be able to share the word with you all today. If you can take out your devices or... Check the passage out on the screen. might be helpful for you to take it out. Really rich passage in Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 45. Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 45. Very rich passage this morning. The title of the talk is The Recovery of Sight for the Missionally Blind. Recovery of Sight for the Missionally Blind. Let me pray for us. Father, my prayer today, God, is that you give us eyes to see in the fullness of what that means father physical sight father we're open to that spiritual sight and today lord god missional sight holy spirit move here now we ask we pray these things in jesus name and everybody said amen amen Amen. so let me start off with a, a bible trivia question here you guys can call out the answer if you think you know what it is. No shame in calling out what you think the answer is. So, in the Old Testament of the Bible, uh, in how many instances was a physically blind person healed in the Old Testament? Uh, you can call it out zero, if you think that's what it is. Zero times, one time. Is it two times? Or too many to count? The answer is zero times. In the Old Testament, there are zero accounts of a physically blind person getting healed. Isn't that interesting? Zero times. And it was only in the New Testament when Jesus shows up that the physically blind begin to see. And so what is God communicating? God is communicating that it is through Jesus that the blind see. It is through Jesus that darkness is turned to light. That blindness is turned into sight. That's what God is communicating. And so in this text, my focus is not going to be physical blindness or spiritual blindness in general. Uh, My focus today from this text in Mark chapter 10 is missional blindness. And just as a way of giving it a simplified definition here on the screen, what is missional blindness? Missional blindness is this inability to see, your God-given mission to bring good into the world. Missional blindness is this inability or this failure to see that God's mission for you in this earth is to be able to bring good into the world. In fact, what are the two greatest commandments? Love God and then love your neighbor as yourself. In this text, you'll see that following those two greatest commandments is simply bringing good into the world. That is missional sight. So the opposite of that is missional blindness. And it means that, for instance, if you believe that on this earth your primary mission is to get rich and be comfortable, that might be a sign of missional blindness. Or if your role here on this earth is to be able to have multiple degrees, find a great job, be successful, Those aren't wrong in themselves, but that could be a sign of missional blindness. If the goal is simply comfort, relaxation, no problems, or if you think that the Christian life is simply about attending church in person or online, it's about attending church services. That's what the Christian life is about. That could be a sign of missional blindness. And so from this passage, you'll see that Jesus actually came to be able to turn that blindness into sight. Jesus today, my prayer is that in this room, missional blindness is turned into missional sight. That's my prayer. And you'll see this in this passage. So we'll start in Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 45. For, it reads, For even the Son of Man, that's a title, Referring to Jesus, even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. I mean, that's a powerful start right there already. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Then they came to Jericho. So as Jesus and and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. He was at the roadside begging verse 47 when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth he began to shout out Jesus son of David have mercy on me continuing on many rebuked him and told him to be quiet but he shouted all the more son of David have mercy on me Jesus stopped and said call him call him so they called to the blind man cheer up on your feet he's calling you throwing his cloak aside he jumped to his feet and they came to Jesus What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. What a beautiful question from the Lord of the universe. What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. 52, go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. So in this passage, it's not just Bartimaeus who's blind. It's not just Bartimaeus who's blind. There are three parties here. There's Jesus, the disciples, those followers of Jesus, and then there's Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus is not the only blind person here. Who else is blind? The disciples were blind as well. Not physically blind, but missionally blind. What do I mean? If you look at verse 47 up on the screen there, Bartimaeus was in need. And he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And check out what the disciples did in 48. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. In other words, they said, shut up. That's what they said, shut up. They were missionally blind. Do you see that? They missed, they had this inability to see that their God-given mission on earth was to be able to offer good to this person. They missed it. And I wonder if you can relate to that kind of blindness. I know my my wife and I, uh, I know I can can relate to it. Let me speak for myself. So uh, a few weeks ago, my wife and I were having lunch at this restaurant and then a person, a woman comes in off the street. She wasn't someone that worked for the restaurant. She comes in off the street and then she interrupts us. Uh, And then she starts selling us chocolate. And you know, I don't know if that has ever happened to you, uh, but feeling that that was kind of rude Uh, With my body language, I told her to get away. thought it was rude, just with my body language, turned my back on her. And when I did that, you know, I got a flash. I got a flash in my mind of my mom. Because we were poor in Queens, and my mom used to sell bootleg movies just to make ends meet. And so when I realized, when I, when I thought back to that memory and saw this woman, I realized that I was missionally blind, called to offer good, even a little bit of good, to someone in this world. And so I wonder if you can relate to that. Maybe there's someone that you've denied goodness when you were called to offer it. Is there someone like that in your life? Maybe it's a friend, uh, a, a coworker, you realize that you're practicing this missional blindness around them maybe it's somebody on queen's boulevard that you drove next to coming here maybe it's somebody that you fought a parking spot for or maybe it's somebody even next to you where you denied good instead of offering it today and so the question for us is how can we be healed of missional blindness If you're ready to explore this, say yes. Yes. Two more people, say yes. Yes. Awesome, thank you. How can we be healed of missional blindness? So from this passage, we'll see that Jesus embodies these, these missional truths. I'll point out three of them. And if we begin to live out these three missional truths, I expect that there will be healing of missional blindness today that there will be misconceptions about mission that will be addressed. And my prayer is that God through this passage actually leads us to offer good to the world. And so first first truth. Mission can be understood as a going, doesn't it? A going abroad or going overseas. But the first thing about mission that I'd like for us to see in this passage is that mission is first knowing before going. First is knowing before going. And so in verse 45, when Jesus said, I I, the Son of Man, this is Jesus speaking, the Lord of the universe, Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. Jesus knew there was a knowing before going to Jericho. Do you see that? There was a knowing what his call and mission was before going. To Jericho, And so here's a type of missional blindness that I hear from people from time to time. And it deals with this phrase called full-time ministry. You know, full-time ministry being working, it might be working for a church or a Christian organization. And the scenario goes something like this, and maybe this is something that you're actually uh, going through. A person comes to me and says, I really need guidance. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering about going or not going into full-time ministry, meaning working for a church or uh, working for a Christian organization. Do you have a friend like that? Or maybe you've, you've been in a scenario like that, going or not going. And I, I can under, understand this scenario because in my late 20s, I was wrestling with the same thing. Uh, in my late 20s, I was in the engineering and construction field, and I was wondering whether or not to actually work for New Life uh, full-time. And so I can appreciate uh, that kind of seeking for guidance. But here's how that scenario might actually be a sign of missional blindness. When you're a follower of Jesus, you can read this on the screen, full-time ministry is not some kind of tomorrow's dream profession. Full-time ministry is today's mission in any profession you see that full-time ministry is not tomorrow's profession that you wonder about going into or not going into absolutely not full-time ministry is today's mission in any profession some examples you're a follower of christ you're already in full-time ministry maybe not as a church worker but as a mom or as a dad called not just to give physical care, but also spiritual care. Not only telling your child what to do in school, but also who Jesus is. You might be a son or daughter uh, caring for folks. You're in full-time ministry. Do you see this? You're a follower of Christ, you're already in full-time ministry. You might be an employee at your workplace, uh, a teacher, uh, an accountant, a city worker, You might be unemployed or in between jobs. You might be an Uber driver. You're a follower of Christ. You are in full-time ministry. It's not a profession that you take on in the future. It's today's mission in any profession. And here's why. The Holy Spirit, who is a very missional Holy Spirit, when he is in you, you're in full-time ministry as a follower of Jesus Christ. Because the Holy Spirit is not a part-time Holy Spirit He's not an unemployed Holy Spirit He's never in between jobs kind of Holy Spirit He is a full-time Holy Spirit Sent to dwell inside of you And that means you yourselves Are in full-time ministry now And so turn to your neighbor Tell him, you're in full-time ministry (laughs) Now turn to your other neighbor The one you ignored You are in full-time ministry too And if you're not a follower of Jesus I hope that the next couple of truths Will serve as an invitation to you To follow him That's the first truth Second truth Mission Is not always on the other side of the globe Sometimes it's on the other side of the road Meaning mission, many times, is closer than you think. Verse 46, check it out. Bartimaeus, he was sitting on the roadside. I got this from uh, Ray Baki, a missiologist. He says, mission is not always crossing borders or oceans. Mission, many times, is simply crossing the street. Ain't that true? Crossing the street, maybe to your neighbor, Crossing the street, maybe to the school on your block. Crossing the street, maybe to offer good to the small business in your neighborhood. Again, the point is, mission to offer good is closer than you think, amen? And so here's a mission opportunity that's so close, and Pastor Helen talked about it, next slide. It's this VBS, this kids event that's taking place in the neighborhood. I saw this note that said there are already 25 kids, like she said, there are already 25 kids of migrant families that are registered here. And you know what that tells me? Sometimes I think that mission is actually going out to a different country. Meanwhile, God sends these countries to us in Queens. Mission is closer than you think. It's not always crossing oceans or borders. Sometimes it's crossing Queens Boulevard. And I recognize that in itself is a mission. (laughs) Sign up for that. Be part of it. Third truth, and we'll spend some time here. Mission doesn't only help others. Mission many times actually changes me. In other words, I recognize that when I go on mission... I'm offering good to the world, but sometimes I need this. Sometimes this changes me. Sometimes mission is not only good for another person's soul, many times mission is actually good for my own soul. Mission changes me. And you needed to see that in this passage, it's not only about Bartimaeus. It's also about this change that takes place in the disciples. The disciples might think that mission is doing something for others, but mission is also for a change that you'll see in the disciples here. What kind of change? It's actually in verse 48. What kind of condition were the disciples in, first of all? In verse 48, it said, Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. In essence, again, they told this man to shut up. Ain't that sad? Someone's trying to get to God. Someone's trying to get to Jesus. And then that person is told to shut up. So imagine how Bartimaeus is feeling here. Here's this gentleman on the side of the road. He doesn't have his sight. And now somebody's trying to take away his voice by telling him to shut up. And I wonder if you can relate to Bartimaeus. Maybe you're here and you're seeking a better life. That's why you're in church. You're trying to get to God. And yet there's this inner voice that says, you've got nothing to offer, shut up. Or maybe that's actually an external voice coming from somebody that you know saying, you just be quiet. And maybe you can relate to that. Maybe there's this inner voice inside of you that says, Stay in your lane, stay at the side of the road. Is that you? So if I was a sociologist, someone who was practicing human behavior, if I read the passage here in Mark chapter 10, the disciples are actually practicing something called otherness. Say that with me, otherness. Otherness. Two more people, Otherness. otherness. Thank you. So otherness is, I thought it was something positive. It's actually not. So otherness, just a simple definition of otherness, otherness is the creation of of us versus them. It's this creation of us or me versus others. That's what otherness is. And so here in this passage, it's this creation of this dominant kind of in-crowd, this in-crowd with Jesus, rolling with Christ, in opposition to an out-crowd, people like Bartimaeus, People alienated on the margins. And the reason why this is so damaging is because otherness builds walls of division, doesn't it? That's why it's so damaging. And this is not just in the church world, it's all over our culture. Some examples of otherness in our culture, racism. Classism is an us versus them. Do you see that? When Pride Month comes around, and some of you might be able to identify with this, when Pride Month comes around, a lot of religious people begin to feel this us versus them. When people are talking about migrants in New York, there could easily be this mindset, it's us versus them. They're taking my resources, they're taking my jobs, us versus them. iPhone users, practice us versus them, Android, Samsung. That lady that I met at that restaurant selling me chocolate, I was practicing us versus them. It's a sign of missional blindness. Again, it's damaging, it builds division, and so what then can be done? What then can be done so that missional blindness is healed? And so this text is great because of how you see this change taking place in the disciples. They move from otherness to kindness here in this passage, being healed of missional blindness. Check this out, in verse 48, remember they went from shut up, in verse 49, they said cheer up. They went from shut up to cheer up. What happened? How did that change take place? Because we embody that change, there will be a different kind of city that we live in. Where we move from shut up to cheer up. From offering otherness to now offering kindness. How did that happen with the disciples? Did they listen to a podcast about otherness? Did they force themselves to build a relationship with Bartimaeus? That's not what happened. What happened here is they were exposed to the deep love of Jesus for Bartimaeus. That's what happens here. And so why is it that the deep love of Jesus for Bartimaeus actually changed their otherness? A pastor friend reminds me that if your enemies, people that you dislike or people that you shun or the other, if your enemies are shown deep love by someone else that you deeply love, they won't remain as enemies. If your enemies are shown deep love by someone that you deeply love, they won't remain as enemies. And so this Bartimaeus was shown deep love by the Christ that they deeply loved. Bartimaeus did not remain an enemy. They did not, Bartimaeus did not remain an other. And in verse 49, we see that deep love when Jesus said, call him. That, the disciples said, we rebuke you, we tell you to shut up, and yet Jesus said, call him. The culture of that day, the Roman Empire that they were under, they would crush the weak. They would leave people like Bartimaeus on the side of the road. That culture they were in saw it fit that a person like Bartimaeus could live the rest of his life in the side of the road, and yet Jesus says, call him. Jesus says, call him in his deep love. And that changed the disciples because if your enemies are shown deep love by someone you deeply love, they won't remain as enemies. But can you imagine even what Bartimaeus was feeling at that moment? There was a change in the disciples, but can you imagine what Bartimaeus felt? I asked earlier if you can relate to Bartimaeus in that you might know what it's like to be silenced. You might know what it's like to be pushed on the side of the road. And if you have, if you felt that way, this passage is such good news for you. It's such good news for you because the world might tell you to shut up, Jesus calls you. The world might be telling you to be quiet. Jesus calls you. There's a voice in your head that might be saying, you belong on the side of the road. Jesus comes to you and says, I'm offering you roadside assistance. When I think of that, uh, I I, I think of a time where my, my wife and I were driving upstate and it was pouring outside. It began to flood three or four inches. And the problem with that kind of condition is that you don't see the potholes in the roll. You know what I mean? You just don't see it. And so we were driving. We heard a bang, bang, two bangs. So not only did the front tire get a flat, the back tire got a flat. That has never happened to me, a double flat in one instance. So we got pushed to the side of the road. Somebody say trouble. Trouble. We were in trouble, you know why? A car just has one spare tire. We were in trouble at the side of that road. I called a car company, and it must have been an angel that picked up my call. Because this person says, don't worry, sir, we've got roadside assistance. Thank God for roadside assistance. I'll tell you why. You might feel like you're hitting one pothole after another, a financial pothole into a work pothole, into a relationship pothole, and it pushes you to the side of the road. I'm telling you, you call on the name of Jesus. You call on the name of Jesus, and Jesus will tell you, I've got roadside assistance. I will meet you where you're at. My mission is for you. I won't pass you by. I won't leave you abandoned, alienated. My mission is for you. That's why I came. I offer you roadside assistance. Amen, someone. Listen, that kind of love will change you. A God who meets you where you're at where the culture leaves you by the roadside, Jesus meets you where you're at because of this roadside assistance. So mission might be to help people, but it also changes me. And so speaking of me changing, believe it or not, that scenario with that woman selling chocolate, it happened to me again, y'all. It was a different woman, a different restaurant. Somebody comes in and begins to sell sell me chocolate again. But this time, I didn't really think of my mom. I just remembered the deep love of Jesus for people on the roadside. The deep love of Jesus, and you can show this next pic. Guess what I did? I bought that chocolate real quick. It didn't matter if it was soft and melted because of the heat. Oh, I bought that chocolate. (laughs) I was on mission. And so let's land this plane here. There are these missional truths. It's first knowing before going. It's not always crossing oceans, but crossing the street. It's not only to help people, but it also changes me. And so let me just, as a way of ending here, let me just remind you of something that will tie this all together. Because some of you, you know, you've been on mission, you live that kind of life, and it's exhausting. You're burning out. A truth that ties this all together is that mission is not really your job. Mission is not really your job, it's Jesus' job. It does not mean that you throw your hands up and you do nothing, it means that you join him. It means that you get to relax while following Christ. It means that you've got nothing to lose because it's like playing with a basketball team with LeBron James. It's Jesus' mission. And you know why I know that's still effective now? This room is filled with people who have changed by this man 2,000 years ago. He's still on mission today. And you get to join him. And so this is Jesus' mission statement. I'd like for us to just read this out loud together, if you don't mind. Let's read this out loud together. The mission statement of Jesus that we get to join in on. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. This is the mission of Jesus. And I saw this recently uh, at New Life East, this concept of joining Jesus on mission. So at New Life East, uh, after the service is done, this is Eric and his daughter Eden, many times just as a way of offering good to the landlord, uh, we'll clean up and we'll sweep up. And one of these times when I saw Eric doing this, I got a glimpse of mission and joining Jesus. And so just as Eric's mission was to do good and Eden, his daughter, joined him, the mission of Jesus is to do tremendous good in this world. And our role is to join him. Our role is to, like, put our hand on that broomstick as he does his mission. Now, a funny note, so after he did this cleaning, guess who got the credit for all the cleaning? It wasn't Eric. Everybody was thanking Eden. Eden, you did such a great job. You did such a fantastic job. And so even though Eden got all the thanks and praise, did Eric really need her? No, he didn't. Did Eric want her to join him? Absolutely. Jesus wants you to join him in mission as well because it's his job. Let me invite you to stand as the worship team comes up. And so just as a way of cultivating this missional site, check out what's on the screen here. Really great opportunities. And just because we talk about these in the church, it doesn't mean that this is your only place of service. There are some of you, you're called to serve in your workplace, in your neighborhood. But if you're, you're being called to serve here, there's some really great next steps as a way of practicing missional sight. There's this workshop coming up about sharing your faith. What do I say? For some of y'all, sharing your faith is stressful. Put your hand up if that's you. You get nervous, you get anxious, and yet somehow today, there's this desire. There's this, this the, the desire that God is drawing, putting in you. And so on Wednesdays, this is virtual, July 19th to 26. It's on the evening. And then lastly, there are these Serve Sundays that you can participate in. Just choosing two Sundays where you can serve our next-gen ministry. Let's pray, and then we'll sing. Father, just like Bartimaeus, we want to see. Lord, we want to see the good that you're doing that we might join you. Holy Spirit of God, would you grant us mission outside today? We pray this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen.
1: I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days, I've been held You have led me through the fire and darkest night. You are close like no other.
0: In fact, if you read this passage, at the end of it, you see the kind of goodness that Jesus displays. So he goes up to Bartimaeus, and then he says, what do you want me to do for you? I mean, that is a blank check. The Lord of the universe asking you, what do you want me to do for you? And before Jesus healed Bartimaeus, do you know what Jesus did? He listened. And i realize many times mission is not always this preaching many times mission is listening and so let me invite the the prayer team up to my right and i encourage the prayer team to if you're so led prayer team to simply ask that to the person you're, that you're praying for today what would you like jesus to do for you And so how do you respond to this message? And whatever way you choose to respond to this message, I pray that you come up and allow somebody else to pray for you. And it could be that you realize that you've never committed your life to Christ, that you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. And so on the screen, there's some next steps for you. You can scan that code so that a person from New Life can get in touch with you. Or if you've never made that decision, come up and receive prayer. Or maybe for you, the next step is to receive baptism as a way of this unity with Jesus. And so you scan that code as well. And so at New Life, we invite you to put your hands up in a posture of receiving, knowing that God is a giver and that we cannot give out to the world on mission what we have not received. And so for all of you here, Church family, my brothers and sisters, may God bless you and may he keep you and may he cause his face to shine upon each of you that he might be gracious unto you, that you might go from this place filled with his love and his power, knowing that his Holy Spirit dwells inside of you, that you might go in mission to offer good to the world as you join him. And we pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. 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 God bless you all.